I'm Liz Hinkle at TIA National Headquarters, and we are pleased to welcome you to the Transportation Intermediaries Association's TIA Delivers podcast. TIA, the trusted voice for third-party logistics companies of all sizes. Thank you in advance for joining. In this episode of the TIA Delivers podcast, we sit down with TIA's chief economist, Noel Perry. Noel gives a breakdown on the economic development in 2021 as Q2 has come to a close. Good afternoon, Noel, and welcome back. How are you doing today? I'm fine. How about you? I'm great. Um, so if you're ready, we can go ahead and jump right in. As Q2 has come to a close, can you give us a recap of what economic development has looked like so far in 2021? Well, early on, we were still in the catch-up phase for the lockdowns back in the middle of 2020. Uh, however, since then, the economy is demonstrating its own power, um, heavily influenced, of course, by the stimulus from the government. Um, and so things have been booming. Uh, the um, product demand, which is good for transportation, is still dominating, but service demand is, is uh, rising pretty rapidly. I don't know whether any of our listeners have tried to get airplane flights, but costs are going up, and it's hard to get a seat now because people are beginning to feel confident enough to fly. So the economy is booming, um, and so is freight. Great. Um, in your upcoming 3PL Perspectives article, you talk about the difficulties in the supply chain as a result of demand. Could you dive into the lasting effects of the pandemic and subsequently the lessons learned in consumer spending from that? Sure. Uh, well, let me, this is a very important point. Um, every once in a while, um, we get a, a surge in demand for truck drivers or for, for all um, assets in supply chains. And it's a combination of uh, surges in, in product demand or people wanting to move things or store things. But also it, it may be affected by legislation or regulation that that reduces productivity and requires us to have more of, of everything in order to do the same amount of work. For instance, whenever the uh, FMCSA uh, tightens up on hours of service regulation, uh, truckers get just a little less productive. Now, that may be good public policy for safety reasons, but if we look at strictly as a demand for uh, truck drivers, it means we need more. And what happens is these little hiccups and we've had four of them since 2000, one in 04 when hours of service went up and the economy boomed. Another one in 2014 when the economy was strong, we had that really bad winter that, that affected productivity so much. That's two. The third one was the ELD um, imposition in 2018, which was also corresponded with a boom in, in the economy. And then finally, we have the one we're, that we're still in started about this time last year when the, the uh, restrictions came out. And so what, what we learned from looking at those things is that the industry suddenly has to hire a lot more drivers. And although it eventually gets the job done, it can't do it fast enough to keep up with demand. And so as long as demand's increasing at a rapid rate, uh, we get behind. And the question is, what does get behind mean and usually it just means an inconvenience. And I'll use an example of a typical shipper. 
typical shipper has a, a list of carriers, preferred carriers that want to that handle their main moves. And so let's say I need to send a truck from Philly to Pittsburgh tomorrow. I call up my main guy or I send an email or a uh, or an electronic message and say, need a truck. And usually in regular times, the trucker says, sure, and sends the truck out. But in times like these, when um, that trucker is either short of capacity or he has better options, uh, he'll say no. And then the, um, the shipper has to start going down his list. And in, in, in tight times, he may go five, six, seven, eight down the list, or he may have to call up his broker and um, uh, get capacity off the spot market. So the freight eventually moves. It may be a day late, maybe two days late, but it eventually moves. People pay more for it, and it takes a lot more work per transaction. So the efficiency of the system goes down. But the important thing is the supply chains keep working. Now, some, somewhere around where we are now, the system actually fails. And we've seen plenty of examples of it in this particular uh, capacity crisis, which, by the way, is the sharpest on record. Uh, and the most obvious one is that the shortage of chips coming out of Taiwan. They have the same problems the truckers do. The demand for chips uh, mushroomed, uh, and um, they weren't able to expand capacity fast enough. Plus, there may have been some shortages of critical materials caused by... Um, the lockdowns. And so uh, there's a bunch of things in supply chains that aren't working right now. For instance, I just ordered a new set of golf clubs back in the beginning of June. Usually it takes two weeks to get there. I'm not going to get those clubs until September. So that's what we call supply chain failure. Uh, now, in fairness, I may well buy those clubs. But if you look at it from the standpoint of the brand selling them, they understand that that, that sale that they've made is, is a grave, grave risk because they can't deliver in normal times. And so all through supply chains, whether it be in a supermarket or, or online or, or uh, in a warehouse, there are little shortages. For instance, we all know what's happening in this port of Los Angeles. And the, the uh, price of trans-Pacific container transportation has gone up by five, all because um, um, of these issues. And then there are two things we learn from it beyond that particular dynamic. One of them is that um, over the past, well, in any mature system, people are constantly refining and they're constantly trying to find ways to take surge capacity out because surge capacity is expensive. So you don't want those trucks or the warehouse space sitting around, or for that matter, if we talk about my golf clubs, you don't want to have a bunch of golf clubs in inventory when they're not being sold. And so over time, you take those, those extras out. And what that means is you're eliminating or cutting back on your surge capacity. So when we have one of these surges, it ain't there. And so that's the first thing that's happened. And the second thing is we've learned um, how interconnected our economy is. Uh, you shut parts of it down, shut a lot of it down like we did a year ago, and you, you keep parts of it closed, it has wide-ranging effects. And so uh, it's interesting that since um, uh, even at the peak of the, uh, of the caseload last December, um, the authorities were very reluctant by that time to, to impose further lockdowns.
because they're beginning to realize how damaging to the economy it is. Some people, for instance, um, look at this and say, wait a minute, we cause more problems, more um, health problems by locking the country down than we did saving it from spreading of the COVID. And if that, that sounds crazy, just think of it this way. There's something like 2 million people who were supposed to go to the doctor last year and didn't because of the COVID issues. Well, how many of those people have some fundamental problem that would have been solved if they'd gone to the doctor but didn't? So those are the two big lessons. We've, we've used up our um, surge capacity, and that means that when there's an interruption like we have, things get real tight. The second thing is that interruptions count. So long answer, that's the... That's what I think. Okay. Yeah, no, it's extremely insightful. We appreciate it. Um, so then moving forward, what is your economic outlook for about the next six months of 2021? What kind of trends and patterns are you seeing develop? Uh, well, most people uh, see the economy m moving pretty well. Uh, the one thing we know for sure is it's not going to be as strong as it's been in the first half because the um, uh, a lot of what we have is, 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 is recovery in things from the COVID problems. And uh, uh, that those recoveries are wearing down. Plus, it's unlikely that the government, federal government, will vote as much stimulus as they have. I mean, yeah, there's no point in stimulating an economy that's booming, is there? Plus, the, um, the, the increase in inflation, which is very troubling, uh, means that the Federal Reserve has to be a lot more conservative. So uh, one way to put that is from a macroeconomic standpoint, things have got to be good, but they're just not going to be quite as good by the end of the end of December as they are now. Um, so we're headed back to normal. And normal for this economy is growing at about 2.2, 2.3. And I guess the second quarter probably uh, is going to come in growing by 5 or 6%. So that's one thing. The, the other big question we have here is what about freight demand? And this has been an unusually strong freight economy because people haven't had the services to spend money on that they normally do. They're not going to Cancun. They're not going to Europe. They're not um, going to movies or to Broadway shows or baseball games, for that matter. Well, uh, that those restrictions are being lifted. Uh, everybody's planning to play football next fall and basketball and all those kinds of things. Um, and so people are beginning to spend money on services again. And what that means is they may not be spending as much on products, the kinds of things that have a lot of trucking involved in them. And, and so uh, the big question is, at what point does that become um, a major issue? Uh, it is not yet. However, the needles are moving towards it. So my guess is sometime in the fourth quarter, freight demand, which has been running well ahead of overall economic demand, freight demand will begin to slow and maybe grow a little bit less. So if, if the fourth quarter GDP grows at 2.7%, maybe rather than freight growing at 3.6, maybe it'll grow at 2.2, which doesn't sound much if like much if you are thinking of normal times, but in a period over the last year when freight demand's been growing 6 or 8%, that's going to feel pretty, pretty mediocre. Normal economic standpoint, but emotionally, it's going to feel mediocre. 
And then one final point, uh, spot pricing, which is the most volatile of all things in, um, in our industry, has been very, very high because of this, this, uh, these uh, capacity issues. Well, it looks pretty much like we've passed the peak in that process. We're beginning to catch up on, with capacity. Not there yet, but we're beginning to um, get there. And we've, we've experienced what economists call an inflection point. And that is where one trend, in this case an upward trend in pricing, uh, flips over and becomes either flat or a downward trend. Now, let's think about what this means from an accounting standpoint. Uh, all through the rest of this year, prices are going to be well above where they were a year ago, way above. And, and even though they might not be as, uh, as far above, uh, they might not be above the th second quarter, they're still going to be in high territory. So if you just step back and look at them, that, that those prices are going to be, are going to look very strong. However, if you're measuring prices on a quarter over quarter basis, so how am I doing compared to last quarter? Uh, it's highly likely that's, that that um, when we get into August, when the seasonals go negative for trucking, that that spot prices are, are going to begin to fall. And people will look at that and say, "Oh my goodness, the sky is falling." So um, uh, the outlook for the next six months is uh, still pretty good, but not as good as we've had the last year. And it, can, it may give us some surprises that uh, will look way worse than they actually are. Right. Well, thank you, Noel, for that quick economic update. Um, we always appreciate having you on the podcast, and I know our members truly appreciate your insight as well. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks again to Noel Perry for joining us today, and we appreciate his insight into 2021's economic outlook. Please visit www.tianet.org if you'd like to learn more about how TIA and TIA membership can help your business grow and become more profitable. Also, don't forget to join us online or in person for TIA's 2021 Policy Forum, September 28th and 29th. And again, thanks to our podcast sponsor, the TIA Foundation, for being a valued partner in the production of this podcast.